0: Amen, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. If you've got your Bible, uh, you're going to need a copy of that. And go ahead and turn to the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Go ahead and turn there and uh, join me. And if you don't have a Bible with you, just uh, look around. There should be a Bible, a hardback copy of God's Word underneath a chair nearby. Grab that and turn to page 801. That'll get you right to where we're going to start in Malachi Uh, This morning. So, we started a series last week to be going line by line, verse by verse, through the book of Malachi. And uh, so, we're excited about this. We're joining this series. Today's uh, sermon is going to be on the topic of authentic worship. And if you don't have a Bible with you, that's not a problem. We got you covered. Uh, There should be a Bible underneath a chair nearby, a black hardback copy of God's Word. Go ahead and grab that and turn to page 801. That will get you right to where we're going to be this morning in the book of Malachi. And if you don't happen to have your own version of God's Word, this is the greatest gift we could ever give to you. We believe that this book has the power to change lives. Um, And it's doing that even here, uh, every time we gather together. So take it home with you. That's your your Bible. Write your name in it and uh, just enjoy reading every page of it if you're, as, you, as you continue to grow. All right, so Malachi chapter 1, as you're turning there, uh, I just I want to share something that I find to be pretty humorous. Uh, having lived here now just about two years uh, in Indianapolis, I am mesmerized at how many quote-unquote authentic uh, Mexican restaurants there are here. <laughs> I mean, am I, not, am I not kidding? I mean, I thought there was only supposed to be the one real thing, but there's apparently there's millions of different types of authentic Mexican. And, uh, you know, I have to go ahead and get this one out and just deal with it. Um, this, it's funny that Buca de Beppo's claims to be authentic Italian food. Now, I, I'm sorry to tell you that that is not authentic Italian food. It's so the furthest from that, perhaps. You um, say, so How do you know that, Joe? I, I, I'm an Italian, right? I grew up in an Italian home, and my grandmother, my grandma, Mama Marie, so she'd make her own Italian, her own cannolis. Some of you all can make some incredible cannolis. Um, but, you know, when you have the real thing, nothing can compare to it. Um, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today not Italian food, but the real experience of God's manifest presence in our personal lives. Let me ask you all a question. Um, what would you say if I told you that God, could, God desires to manifest his presence in a real way in your life um, where you see his mighty hand moving in powerful ways? You're witnessing it in your life every day. How many of you guys want in on that? Raise your hand. Right, absolutely. Well, we're going to see in the book of Malachi that that's precisely what God is longing to do for all of us. Um, there's only one thing that stands in the way. And it's inauthentic worship. Um, so so what's happening in this pastor we we're reading is they were not authentic in how they were worshiping the Lord. And God was saying, I'm tired of the fake, phony, man-centered, horizontal worship that you're giving to me. I'm tired of it. And he confronts them on this. And I would say this, that whenever we see in the text that he's addressing them, I want you to turn your eyes on your own heart. That's what I ha- I'm doing I do the same thing in my own heart this morning. If there's anybody not worthy to be preaching this sermon, I promise you it's me. Uh, I struggle immensely with this. The Lord took me to the mat this week on this very topic of inauthentic worship. And you're gonna see why. Um, because you're, 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 we're gonna see a question that God's gonna present to the people in the text. And it's the same question that He's presenting to you all this morning. We're gonna have to wrestle with that question. It's not gonna be comfortable, it's gonna hurt. Um, but let it hurt. Let God get a hold of your heart. Um, I welcome that. And here's the thing the reason why God wants us to wrestle with this question is because whenever we understand what provokes the manifest presence of God upon a people, upon your life, you will want nothing else but the real thing. But God requires the real thing from you. So, with that said, um, Malachi chapter number one, how many of you guys are ready to get into the word? Say, let's go. All right, let's do this. Here we go. Malachi 1, uh, verse number 6 is where we're going to start, and we'll pick up there. So it says, a son, this is God speaking, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts. To you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food on my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. That word despised means repulsive. Turn away from it. It's disgusting. What? When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, mangy, in other words, is that not evil? (laughs) Try presenting that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now, verse number 9, entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were just one among you who would shut the doors, shut the doors to the temple, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. See the exclamation point there? He's passionate right now. He's getting after it. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. And I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you, you you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, or that is, its food may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, (sighs) says the Lord of hosts. You bring what what, what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick, and this you bring to your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand? says the Lord. Cursed. Cursed is, cursed be the cheat who, set, who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. That is a very heavy text. Um, We need the help of the Holy Spirit to understand the weight of this fully. So if you would, unite your heart with mine, and let's ask God's help. Lord, we are coming to you understanding that you are setting a pace for us this morning. So far, we have already understood the weight or beginning to understand the weight of your righteousness and your holiness. You're not going to accept any fakes or phonies. You don't want or you're not going to tolerate man-centered worship. You're a God who demands holiness. You're a God who demands the best. But, God, the truth is we are so unable to do that. We need your help this morning. God, as we are reading your word, I pray that the Holy Spirit will provide clarity. Help us to see what your word is saying and help us to know what to do with it. What do you want from us, God? That's our prayer. And help us to not only understand what to do, but help us to resolve to live obediently through the power of the Holy Spirit that you have given to us. And God, thank you for your spirit. Thank you that you provided a comforter and a help to us in this world, in this life. So now I pray that you would manifest your presence in a powerful way here among us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's, uh, let's get back to verse number six. All right, remember I told you that he's going to make us, you know, ask us a question that we've got to wrestle with? Well, here it is. Verse number six gets right, at, right into it. He says, a son honors his father and his servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? Underline that, that question, where is my honor in your Bible? So he's giving an illustration. He's saying, look, um, you call me father, you call me Lord. Let me ask you, am I really your father? Am I really the Lord of your life, is what he's asking them. If so, then where is my honor? You say that this so clearly. Oh, yes, that the God is my God, and, and, and he's the Lord of, our, of the nation of Israel. If that's true, then where is my honor? Now, I want you to circle the word honor in your Bible as well, because that's such an interesting word. In the Hebrew language, the actual word is the word kavod. and It means something very specific. It's the same Hebrew word for the word glory. So every time you see the word, um, this, this idea of honor in your Bible, it's oftentimes translated the word glory, especially when referring to God. So the word glory. So he's asking the question, where is my glory? If you say I'm your father, where's my glory? I'm your Lord, where is my glory? Because he's implying my glory is going somewhere to someone or to something. Where is it? Is what he's asking. It's heavy, isn't it? So with that in mind, let me kind of give you an illustration. I have this, uh, I, this, this scale here. In the Hebrew culture, the way they, they, they evaluated the, the currency um, in that day, they didn't have dollar bills like we do today. Um, they would always use coins, gold or silver, to be, able to, to be able to exchange things. Well, the word kavod in the actual language means not just glory, but it should be translated weight or heavy. So it means, like, how heavy something is, or it's meant to elicit in our hearts the understanding of weightiness. So how valuable something is. So I have a scale here. So the nation of Israel, what they would do is, um, based on what they were purchasing, um, the more gold they had, the more gold, the heavier the gold was, the more value it was. That's the more value. The more silver there was, the more valuable it was. That's how they measured things. So when God is saying, where is my, my sense of value? Where is my weight? That's the question that he's, he's kind of eliciting in their hearts. How heavy am I to you? Now, we think about this, and even our own, we're in the middle of a building uh, uh, cycle right now. We're having setting money aside. We're beginning to have these uh, drawings about building a building. We're all excited about that. But here's something you realize. The bigger the building is... The more value it is, it has. The more expensive it is, obviously, right? Well, it's the same thing in the Hebrew culture. The bigger something is, the more valuable it is. And that's what God's getting after. He apparently is addressing their small view of God. He's going right after their small view of God. In fact, I love what he does in verse six to help them. He's, he's not not wasting any time. In verse six, he's, notice the name that God gives himself. In verse 6, he says, and if I am a master, where is my fear? Says, what are the next three words? Says the Lord of hosts. He gives himself this name, Lord of hosts. Does anybody know what the Lord of hosts even means, right? Lord of hosts? Actually, conveys two different things. It means angel armies. It could mean that. Um, God of the angel armies. But I believe more in particular, he's talking about the stars. He's the, the hosts of heaven the Lord who created the heavens. He's getting their attention to look vertical because they have such a small, pathetic view of God. They don't see him as weighty. He's not big in their eyes. This is the God of their grandfathers. Yeah, God, he planted, He split the Red Sea and he delivered the nation, but we've never seen God do anything like that in our generation. I and mean, we, we even built the temple and we did all these things, and nothing's happening. I, God's not here. That's the issue. And God says, how do you expect me to show up when you're giving me fake phony worship because you have a, such a small view of me. And so what he does is he, he, to help them get a good, gl- a good glimpse of how big he is, he takes their eyes vertical. And I want to show you something. This This is the Lord of hosts speaking, right? This phrase, Lord of hosts, doesn't appear too often in your Bible, but it appears 24 times in the book of Malachi alone. And 8 out of that 24 appears right here in our passage. God's being very intentional. He's trying to get them to understand how big he is. He's the Lord of the stars. So I've done some uh, little research here um, on stars. See, I love, I get geeked over stuff. Anybody get geeked up over stuff like this? All right, I got to show you this picture. All right, look at this picture. This is a picture of uh, what, they, what is known as, uh, let me see if I can get it right. I don't want to mess this up. The Virgo supercluster, all right? The Virgo, isn't that a cool name? Virgo supercluster. Now, when, why did I show you this, all right? This is why. Apparently, there's a a, a very popular astrophysicist named Mario Livio. Okay, he's explaining the impact, how we got this image. This is the best image of the known galaxies. um, Well, I should say of the known universe right now, based on the Hubble telescope. It doesn't get any more clear than this. This is the best image we can see of the entire universe. All right, it's known as the supercluster. So listen to what Mario Livio has to say about this. Um, He says. Um, all in all, the Hubble telescope reveals an estimated 100 billion galaxies in the universe. So, what you're looking at isn't Milky Way. Like, when I first did this, I'm like, that's the Milky Way. I can see the Milky Way. That's not the Milky Way, yo. All right, so the Milky Way, do me a favor. Take your pinky up for a second, stick your pinky up and you're the size of your pinky nail, for some of you, some of you guys have behemoth hands, all right, so it's unor- unnatural, but for the average person in here, um, the size of your pinky nail is right up here to the, the top of the right, top right of this picture is the Milky Way galaxy. So our galaxy is the size of the common person, not behemoth hand, um, a fingernail. Like, that's the galaxy, and this is a picture the best picture we can describe of about 200, or I'm sorry, 100 billion galaxies is what this is. What? What? Okay, keep going. Let me keep going. He's not done yet. So, this number, however, is likely to increase to about 200 billion galaxies as telescope technology in space improves. Astronomers, this is blow, blow your mind, astronomers estimate that there are over 100,000. Million stars in the Milky Way galaxy alone. Let read that number again. I don't even know how many zeros it is. I'm just sorry. I won't even do the math. 100,000 million stars in the Milky Way galaxy alone. How big is God? How big is God? He's the Lord of hosts. Here's the crazy thing He knows all the stars by name. In fact, the Bible indicates when he first created the stars, he created them by saying four words. Let there be light. Boom. Light. How big is God? He's trying to get them to understand, my weight is so much bigger than you could ever imagine. And this, my friends, is the first point I want you to make note of in your handout. So, my, off, my worship will be authentic when I rightly view God as transcendently glorious. When I rightly view God as transcendently glorious. See, the people weren't doing that. They had a small view of God. God wasn't big in their eyes. And so it, it just created havoc. God wasn't gonna show up in their, in their midst because they had a small view of him. Now, notice the word here. I use the word transcendently, right? What does the word transcendent mean? I gotta put, let me show you this. This is a clear definition of what transcendent means. Transcendent in its basic form means beyond the range of normal human experience. That's what that means. Beyond the range of no- In other words, I can't calculate it. I can't measure it. All I know is it's massive. That's what transcendent means. It's far greater than any human mind can comprehend. That's why I'm saying we've got to get the right view of God's transcendently, transcendent glory in order to be able to understand what authentic worship is. It starts with that. We've got to have the right view of who God is. So I would say it's probably enough. We can, we can end church a little early. That's My heart's full right now. Um, we could go home and be done. But the problem is the text doesn't stop there. God has more to say uh, to us. So let's keep reading. Verse number 7, I want to show you these next couple things he says. It doesn't just get them to understand his high view, but he also is he ad- addressing this, their lack of um, sacrifice. Verse 7 says, by offering polluted food upon my altar. How, in other words, how have we po- despised your name? You despise me by offering polluted food, says Lord. How have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised, repulsed, right? Verse 8, when you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or, or, or sick, is that not evil? So he's addressing this, this idea of sacrifice. So we've got we to gotta answer these two questions. Why, is God, why does God require a sacrifice to begin with? They're sacrificing animals, yo. That's kind of gross. What's up with that? Why do they do that? And the second question is, what kind of animals did God require? What, what was the purpose of it? So we gotta, we're going to answer those two questions. First, I want to explain why. Why did God require a sacrifice of animals? Short and simple answer, because of sin. Because of sin. Sin has caused death. Back in the Garden of Eden, when God first made man, it was a beautiful relationship. The problem was man disobeyed God. When that happened, outright rebellion was declared on a very heavy God. The weight of God's wrath, the weight of God's righteousness and his holiness had to annihilate the sin. I cannot be in the presence of sin or rebellion, is what God was saying. So he had to, basically death was inflicted upon everything he created in that very moment when man rebelled against God. Now, God, also being full of weight in his mercy, he provided an escape route. It's called the substitutionary, it's a big word, right? It's a big phrase. Substitutionary sacrificial system. In other words, something has to take the place of you in order to be made right with God. Something could be a substitute. You have to die because of your sin. Everyone in this room, guys, this is so real. Everyone in this room, hear this. This is not an Old Testament book not related to you. We are all sinners. We have all rebelled against God. There's not one person sitting in this room right now that can say that you've never rebelled against God. If you've ever lied, you've rebelled. Understand the weight of the consequence that you're in right now. Now, here's what he says. Because of that, I'm going, I have to separate you for eternity from me, but I will provide a, sacrifi- a sacrificial system that will cover you temporarily. So the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, they had to provide an animal that that would become the substitute for the individual sinner. This animal was the substitute. They would die in the person's place. The innocent animal would die in the place of the guilty person. And then they were. God would say, "I would temporarily cover your sin because something died in your place. Someone took your place temporarily until he sinned again." Now, um, how? What, what kind of sacrifice did God require? Let me show you this picture. All right. God required, according to Levitical law, Leviticus chapter one through six. Make a note of that. Leviticus chapter one through six explains simply that God required the best sacrifice. You had to provide the best of your flock. It had to be a, a, blem, a, a, a non-blemished animal. Uh, it had to be the healthiest, the strongest animal in your flock. It had to be the, the most expensive item uh, uh, in, your, in, your, in your, I don't know, in your household. which was a, 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 They made their living by food and they made their living by clothing. So the, the lambs represented that. So God required the best that they had. And that is what they had to sacrifice to the Lord. That's, he only required the best. So let me explain how this whole sacrificial system actually worked. They would take that best lamb or that best ox or bull or whatever they had that was expensive, they'd bring it to the temple, and I want to show you this next picture. The person, the innocent person, had to put their hand on the head of that animal. And you see the knife down here in the corner? I don't know if you can see that. The person who sinned against the Lord had to slaughter the animal. Not the priest. You have to that's just so, like, the, the innocent animal. What did the lamb do? It did nothing. It did nothing. It's such a gross thing. That's why they said, it's a desp- I don't despise the Lord's table. I don't want to go kill an innocent animal. I don't want to go kill anything. Because they had a small view of God. They had no clue the serious danger that they were in. God was going to annihilate them because of their sin. Their, the weight of God's wrath was upon them, and they had no clue. But they had to take that innocent animal, slice the throat of the animal, and then they would be made right with God temporarily. Say, so what is all why did it have to be perfect? Why did it have to be the best in their in their and they had in their in their livestock? Why, why did the best? Because it was a picture. God was showing the nation of Israel it had to be the best because I, God, am going to send a sinless, perfect lamb into the world that will permanently take the place of everyone who sinned against me. That's Jesus Christ. Christ from Nazareth. That is God coming to heaven. Jesus came into the world so that he could die in our place, be slaughtered for our sake. Are you connecting the dots? He did this for you so that you could be forgiven eternally, made right with God. Now, that's such, a, that's such an important aspect of what's happening here. And you have to understand, the clearest picture of God's transcendent glory Weight is found in the cross and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. The cross we see, here's what I mean. In the cross, we see the weight of God's wrath poured out upon sin. Jesus gruesomely dying on the cross. In the the burial of Jesus, we see the, the weight or the glory, the transcendent glory of God's love for us right? We see he died for us. He didn't have to do, but he he chose to do that. He loves us, and then also in the resurrection, we see the weight of God's power over sin. That's a beautiful thing. Now, here's the scary part. That's beautiful for those who've trusted Jesus Christ, who are looking to Jesus as that atonement. They're they're trusting him. God, I, I know I can't be made right with you. I know I'm under the wrath of God. I know that's true. That's great for you, but there's people in this room right now who've never done that. You need to understand, you are under the full weight of God. And you will be crushed. This is the Lord of the stars we're talking about. He created it in four words. He will surely crush you because of our rebellion. But it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus provided a way of escape, Jesus endured the wrath of God so that you don't have to. He took your place as your substitute. Only thing you have to do is trust Jesus to be your substitute. And then you will be forever made right with God. Now that is good news. Beautiful good news. Um, Now, with that said, look at verse number 9. Notice this call to repentance. He says, and now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to you. And I would say there's some of you in this room that needs to do that now. It's the greatest thing you could possibly do is entreat the favor of God so that you could be relieved from the weight of God's wrath. All right. Now, continuing, what does this have to do with us? I mean, I understand Jesus was the sacrifice in the Old Testament for us in the New Testament, but what does that have to do with me? How am I supposed to present an offering to the Lord today? Write this down in your next point. My worship is authentic when I joyfully offer to God the best of my life. I have to joyfully offer to God the best of my life, just like they did in Israel. The best of their, that they had, I offered the same way. The best of my heart and the best of my life. Now, something you need to know as you read the book of Malachi. Malachi in the Old Testament can really only be fully understood in the the full ramifications as you look through the lens of the book of Romans. When you put on Romans that Paul wrote to the church at at Roman, the Roman church, then you'll be able to see more clearly what is going on in the book of Malachi. So with that said, write this reference down here in your Bible, um, Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. And if you don't mind, I want you to turn there. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. We don't normally bounce around like this, but for the sake of understanding, I want you to see this. Romans 12, verse 1, Paul makes it very clear how we are supposed to sacrifice in the New Testament. On this side of the cross, because of what Jesus has done. I love hearing you turn your pages in your Bible. It's so cool. All right, verse number 1 makes this statement. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The whole thing is there. All right, let me explain. He says very clearly that we are, he's appealing to you because of what Jesus has done on the cross for you. Like, understand, because of his, the, the full weight of his mercy, present your bodies. That's this, this is my life, God. This is all I've got. I give you my all. Present your bodies holistically to God. And then he says, as a living sacrifice. That means, God, my, the life that I have, I give to you. What you did for me, you delivered me for something serious. And the rest is yours, God. That's what he's after. And then he says, um, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. That's authentic, that's authentic worship right there. What it means to, live, to be able to worship God with authenticity is to offer God your best, which is your life. In fact, um, continuing on in verse number two, he makes this statement. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Remind yourself of what you, what Jesus has done for you, that your life is no longer yours, but it belongs to God, all right, Um, so that you can test and and discern what the will of God is, the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. That's, That's what he's saying here. That's such a cool thing. Now, basically he's saying you want God's asking you, telling you, "I want you. I want to use you." Think of the invitation. Like you want me, God? You want to use me? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not capable of being used by you. I'm broken. I'm a mess, and I, I can't. I'm a. In my case, I'm a thug. I was a gangster and a drug dealer. How can you use me? That's what God wants to do. He wants to use your life to display His glory. That's what He's after here. I love what um, Paul also said, explaining a little bit more in Galatians one. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter two, verse. 20. Let me just read this to you. Galatians two twenty. He said this, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but, but it's Christ who lives in me. In fact, the life that I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Like, I don't live in this body anymore for myself. I have a new life. When Jesus died on the cross, he gave me a new life. The life I have is now God's. That's what he's after here. He says, I want to give you my life. So with all that, this is what it simply boils down to. This means how I work at work is worship. How I work at school is worship. How I work at my marriage is worship. Every area, are you seeing it? How I work at my parenting is worship. How I manage my money is worship. Even how I deal with the EGRs in my life. You know what an EGR is? Extra grace required people. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody's got those people in your life. Even how I treat the extra grace required people in my life. That's worship to the Lord. So here's the convicting question. This is what the Lord took me to the mat with. Here it is. Am I giving God my best worship at work at managing my money, at school? Or am I giving God leftovers? Am I just like the people in Israel, giving God what I got left? I'm not really giving him my marriage. I'm not really offering to him my, my marriage. I'm not really offering to him my, my finances. I'm not offering to him my school. But I would challenge you, do, if you do this, if we're willing to offer to God every area of your life, you will have the opportunity to experience the manifest presence of God pouring out in powerful ways in your life. And everyone around you sees the glory of God. That's what's so beautiful. It's an invitation. It's like the little boy in Jesus' day had the five loaves and two fishes. What's he going to do with that? but he offered it to Jesus. And God took that and fed 5,000 plus people with a little boy's offering. Offer to God your marriage and see what he does with it. Offer to God your school education and see what he does with it. The point is, give God what you have and let him do amazing things with your life. That's the point that he's making here. And the point I want you to see. And look how he does it in verse 11. This is so cool to me. In verse 11, he's so intentional. He goes on, he says, look, 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 look. For, for, for from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name. And a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations. He's not just saying a prophecy here. That's part of it. I believe he's giving you an invitation here. He wants to use your life to spread the fame of Jesus around the world, around the globe. This is an invitation, yo. Like, they're talking about the God of the galaxies. My illustration is going to break. It's not going to link in the next next service. But it's, it's bootleg, too. Don't laugh. You guys are laughing at it, aren't you? It is so bootleg. But it gets the job done. My point is, God, God is so amazing. He wants to use your little life our little lives, our little marriages, and do amazing things. with. Well, you don't know how hard it is. Offer it to God. See what he does with it. That's just so cool. Just I'll, I'll move on. But that, that another thing is just so amazing. I joyfully offer to God the best in my life. That's authentic worship. All right, number thir- let's look at uh, verse number 13. We'll be done. I'll wrap it up here. Verse 13 says this. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it says the Lord of hosts. The snort at the offering, right? The snort at the sacrifice. And, and the Lord says, oh Lord, you, bring, you bring what has been taken by violence, it's crippled, it's sick, and this is what you bring to my offering? You give me these leftovers? Pathet- Nobody wants this thing. You want, you want to offer it to me so you can keep the best down with that. Verse 14, he says, cursed, this is bad, cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and then yet sacrifices the Lord what is blemished. This is a wavering person. He says, I'm going to offer God my, the best of my life. You fill in the blank. You fill in the blank. I'm going to offer God the best of this. And then you waver. You don't actually offer God that. You hold on to that and you offer God maybe a portion of this or maybe a little bit of this particular area of your life. And you hold on to the rest. Down with that. God says, cursed is that person. He wants the whole thing. He wants the whole kitten caboodle, Mark. All right, it's an inside joke. Um, a kit, you know, it's not actual kitten caboodle. It's kit and caboodle. Did you know that? I just thought sure you should know that. All right, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Anyway, so he wants the whole thing. He wants the real thing, all right? It's such a cool thing. All right, so with that said, here's what I want you to see. This is the third point. My worship is authentic when I passionately resolve to ascribe worth to God. Notice the terminology here. I passionately resolve to ascribe worth. He starts off in verse number thirteen. They said that it's so wearisome to them. This is boring. This is boring. Why are we doing this again, Mom? Why we gotta go to this church again, man? Why we gotta sing those songs, man? I just this, come on, man. This is when is this gonna be done? This is so boring. That's that's what he's talking about. That's a weary person. Weary. You snort at guys boring to you. All right. That's because you have a low view of God here. You don't understand the, how big God is. So he says that in order to be authentic in your worship, you have to be passionately resolved to ascribe worth to God. I love what John Piper says. Listen to this quote by John Piper. He said, if you don't see the greatness of God, then all the things that money can buy, all the short-lived pleasures of this world, they they become very exciting to you. If you can't see the sun, you will be impressed with a street light. If you never felt the thunder and lightning... You'll be impressed with fireworks. And if you turn your back on the greatness and majesty of God, you'll fall in love with a world of shadows. Have you fallen in love with a world of shadows is the question. Because you haven't really experienced the manifest presence in your life. It's not just a church thing. It's not just supposed to happen when we gather together in this building. It's supposed to happen every day of your life. That's what God wants. But you got to have the right view of God. It starts with that. Now, what's the difference between ascribing worth and describing? We do this at Valentine's Day. I did it to my wife, all right? I ascribe worth to her. Ascribing means to attribute value to somebody or something that they already have. So I go to, you know, get her flowers. Everybody, you know, you go to get the outrageously jack up the prices on flowers on Valentine's Day. You probably come you're stupid enough to buy. No, I love my wife. That's what it is. So I, so I go and I buy these flowers. I mean, no joke. I mean, is it, but here's the thing. Somebody said that roses are the, the, I guess, the highest, on the highest pecking order of the flower chart. I don't know why, but it is. So I go and buy the best flowers I could buy for my wife. I'm not the guy in the corner finding the ugliest flowers and getting that one. Oh, I'm, I'm going to save me some money, yo. I'm going to give that one. That's not honoring to my wife. I get the best because she's the best to me. Does that make sense? She's worth the best. Same thing. Now, describing. How do I describe uh, how much I love my wife? Well, same thing. You get her a card, right? The the card describes how much value she is to me. Difference between describing and ascribing. Ascribing is something you just say, hey, I agree. You are worthy. You are amazing. You are weightier. You are uh, much more grander than anything else in the world. That's ascribing worth to God. We have to passionately do that. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you have the right view of who God is. So with that said, here's the whole point of the sermon. It's going to end on this thought. We need to wake up to the God who is worthy of authentic worship.